Public Utilities Commission meeting to order. So can we have a roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice Here. President, Vice President Rivera? Here. Commissioner Jami? Here. Commissioner Maxwell? Here. Commissioner Stacy? Here. You have a quorum? I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethno-historic territory of the Molequa Ohlone tribe and other familiar descendant excuse me, descendants of the historic federally recognized Mission San Jose Verona Band of Alameda County. The SFPUC also recognizes that every citizen residing within the greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and occupation of the Muecla Ohlone tribe's aboriginal lands since before and after the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's founding in 1932. It is vitally important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge the, and honor the fact that the Muecua Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the SFPUC and are productive and flourishing members within the many greater San Francisco Bay areas today. Okay, so first item. Item number three is approval of the minutes of November 28th, 2023. So are there any corrections or comments on the minutes? If, if not, we will open that to uh, public comment, if we will, Madam Secretary. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on the minutes? Uh, seeing none, public okay, comment. Okay, seeing none, um, can I get a motion and a second to approve the minutes of November 28th? I'll second. We have a roll call, please. President Paulson? Aye. Vice President, Ma Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. We have five ayes. All right, item four is general public comment. And Madam Secretary, can you open that, please? Yes, do you have any members of the public to provide comment on items that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda? Please uh, line up on the side and Mr. DaCosta? My name is Francisco da Costa, and as you know, at one time we could give public comment from home, and y'all could, y'all could, this commission could, not, the Board of Supervisors is not doing it because a few people are saying bad words and stuff like that, but y'all could, but y'all don't do it. So it's a hardship for us to come here uh, to give public comment for misly two minutes. Now let me remind you all that uh, if you take your projects, and if you take the sewer system improvement project, a $6 billion project, now it's heading towards $12 billion, you commissioners should ask how has the community benefited from all this money. And I'm going to request y'all that we have every quarterly, if not twice a year, a report on the biosolids and the digesters. This was promised to us. So 
You all do a lot of things because you all don't pay attention chronologically to what was promised to the constituents, to the taxpayers. And um, in District 10, a lot of people are suffering, especially the children and the women. And your community benefits that you all agreed to hasn't touched those who need help most. Thank you very much. Thanks for your comments. Are there any other people to the microphone? Okay, seeing none, item five, please. Item five is a Citizens Advisory Committee annual report. Uh, good afternoon, President Paulson, Commissioners, and GM Herrera. Uh, thank you, President Paulson, for the invitation to speak to the Commission about the work the CAC has done over the last calendar year. My name is Moises Garcia. I've had the pleasure of serving as the CAC's uh, chair for the past two years and as a District 9 representative since 2018. I'd like to update you on the committee, its members, the topics our committee has engaged, and what we look forward to working on next year. Our committee, as many other public bodies, had a rocky start to the year as we transitioned to fully in-person meetings. But I'm happy to report that we found our stride and currently all 17 seats on our, uh, all 17 seats currently have appointees. Um, thank you to the board of supervisors, the board president, and the mayor for filling their seats. With 17 members, we always experience some degree of churn, which brings challenges, but also new energy to our committee. Uh, we are also very fortunate to have not only subject matter experts and community leaders, but also some who have served on the CAC for many years, some for nearly a decade, if not two. Um, turning to the topics our committee engaged with, I want to thank all of you for speak, for taking, I want to thank all the commissioners for speaking with the CAC this past year. I and all our members were very appreciative of you taking the time to meet with us, to hear about our interests, to engage with you on topics that we care about, and to hear about topics that you care about as well. Um, these visits were among the highlights that our C among, these visits were among the highlights of our year and showed the CAC members that our work with the commission can be collaborative and fruitful. Additionally, um, among our other highlights were our joint meeting with the Southeast Commission facility, which was very um, wonderful to have to both meet at that facility and to be engaged with that community as well. Um, and then we also uh, had the opportunity to meet with Muak Maloney leadership, which was of great value to the CAC. Um, turning to our priorities for the coming year, uh, the CSC's top priorities are centered on capital program imp implementation, rates and customer assistance programs, and workforce retention and hiring. Our top priorities are derived from the interests shared from our subcommittees, and I look forward to working with you and staff as we agendize these topics in the next year. I also want to thank you for all the work that you've done on customer, customer assistance programs um, since really since the pandemic. It really, we've really taken that um, to heart, and we know that the people, um, rate payers and customers have as well. Um, I also want to, so none of this work would be possible without the, without CAC's, sorry, none of this work would be possible without SFPUC staff from the myriad presenters that come to speak with us during our regular meetings to engage with our members, um, as well as hosting meetings with our members outside of our regular meetings. Um, those show us that um, you care about sharing information, that you want to work collaboratively, and that um, we can always be um, uh, resources to each other as well. 
Um, I also really want to shout out and thank uh, staff who pr supports us. That's Mayara, Jyoti, Sharon, Laura, and Lexis. Um, and then lastly, I just want to express my gratitude to the CAC members, but especially to the CAC's leadership. Um, Vice Chair Eli Pershuk, Secretary and Power Subcommittee Chair Emily Algair, Wastewater Subcommittee Chair Amy Nagengast, and Water Subcommittee Chair Jennifer Cleary. Uh, their dedication to ensuring that our meetings occur regularly, that CSA members are supported, and that ratepayers and stakeholder concerns are heard are what drive our committee's work. That concludes my report, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Great. Well, th thank you, Mr. Garcia. Um, I for your uh, thorough report. I am one of the uh, commissioners who actually had also attended one of your meetings, and I'll have to admit that it was um, it was just like, in some ways, public comment on steroids with people um, that actually do this and sit on the committee, and uh, it was it was a very fruitful you know for me an hour, and it's very uh, clear that uh, this committee under your leadership and the other leaders is very engaged in what the role that this committee has. So I, I want to personally thank you for uh, uh, taking this charge on among the other things that you're doing that you're, you're spending this much attention. So I really believe it. And, and I, I do, um, I'm just going to say for the record that, you know, each one of your leaders had very poignant and um, concerned questions about whatever area of community or policy that they uh, particularly um, cared about and it was I, I had a very um, good exchange I personally did um, so again thank you Commissioner Stacy uh, thank you I, I also wanted to say thank you to the Citizens Advisory Committee for all the work you did I was there last month and I'm sorry I missed you personally but it Apologies. was a really <laughs> impressive committee and very thoughtful questions as President Paulson uh, mentioned and it's it's a lot of hard work when you do the research on the issues and you make decisions about what recommendations uh, you make to the Commission and what issues you focus on so I just I really wanted to say thank you and how much I appreciated coming to your meeting and talking with everyone people had good ideas and good questions and I think I, I have a few follow-up uh, issues that I'll work on and hopefully circle back with you or with um, one of the PUC staff to provide the information that was requested. But thank you for all of your work. Thank you, Bishop. And my apologies for traveling, being tra I was traveling last month, so I couldn't be there. Totally understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Great. Commissioner Maxwell. I wanted to, of course, thank you as well for your civic engagement. Uh, and also, I think it was. Uh, did you say that you met with the um, Milwaukee-Waloney uh, leadership? Correct. Yeah, we have a chair, chairwoman, uh, Nejma. We've had a relationship going back, I think, a couple of years now. Wow, um, so that's, that's really, really great. I, um, I think we should do something like that as well. Um, and maybe it could be jointly or whatever, but I, I think that would be um, a great thing to do. So I want to thank you for thinking about that. and. Um, and really doing it. And I agree with a lot of the, uh, the points that you're making um, in regards to some of the work that we're doing now. So I look forward to working with you, and thank you again. Thank you. Likewise. Commissioner Ajami. Uh, yes, I want to actually uh, echo all the comments that were made, and I had the same question uh, about how engaging with Mohawk Maloney more closely. Um, I also want to say I learned so much being there and I really appreciated the very thoughtful and fruitful conversations that you guys are having and uh, and I do appreciate the relationship that we have um, with uh, you and the entire team because 
you know, there are so many different constituents we are serving. Um, there are so many different issues that's important to many different people. And obviously, the five of us cannot um, uh, fully capture everything that needs, that needs attention, even though we are trying very hard. So we do appreciate your public service and the um, help that you're providing to SFPC as a whole to more directly connect with communities and engage with them and uh, learn from uh, different experiences. So we see you as our ex extension, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. appreciate that. Great. Thank you. Any more comments? That's it. Thank you thank so much. You, thank you, Mr. Garcia. All right. Can we open this up to um, public comment, item five? So it's an advisory committee report. Donna, can you open? Yeah. Since you're talking about the Muakmoor loaning, it's good that you all respect them when you read out their statement. But uh, I want to bring to your attention. This item is for the Community Advisory Committee yes, report, correct? Okay. That letters have been sent a long time ago, not only to the mayor, but to this commission as to how the protocol has to be adhered to. And one of your commissioners has seen me in action in District 10 when it comes to the first people. And um, with climate change and what all of y'all are doing and what all of us are doing, we have to respect Mother Earth. And when you think about Mother Earth, then you think about the indigenous people. And I can go deep into this subject. Uh, the new chairperson, Charlene, and the old chairperson, Rosemary, have done a lot. And I'm here to tell you that uh, Charlene is going to be running for Congress in the San Jose area. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there any more uh, public comments on the Citizen Advisory Committee report? Seeing none, um, let's, re let's do the report of the general manager. Our discussion. Item six, report of the general manager. Uh, thank you, Madam Secretary. Item A is the quarterly budget status report uh, from Laura Bush. Hi, everyone. Um, can I please get the slides? So Laura Bush here. I'm the acting um, deputy CFO of PUC. I'm here to present the first quarter of FY 23-24 budget variance report to you. So uh, happy new year for the budget. Um, overall, we're projecting positive operating results for wastewater power and clean power SF, but a, a shortfall for water. For water and wastewater, revenues are projected to be below budget. The budget was adopted assuming the drought surcharge would remain. However, it was removed in May of 2023, as you know. Additionally, wholesale volumes are lower than what was assumed in the budget. For power, revenues are projected to exceed the budget due to higher wholesale sales and generation. Large savings are also projected for power purchases due to higher generation, avoiding the need for additional power purchases in the first quarter. 
Our projections for the power enterprise also include the 100-day planned shutdown of Mountain Tunnel. For Clean Power SF, revenues are projected to exceed the budget due to increased sales and customer enrollment, partially offset by higher than expected purchase of power costs. The year-end financial results are projected to meet or exceed our policy targets. As usual, I'll go into each enterprise detail in the next slides. Firstly, in water, as I mentioned, the net operating result is projected to be uh, in the negative 14.6 mil uh, million. Total sources are down by 26.5 million. This is largely driven by the removal of the drought surcharge in May 2023, as well as low, lower wholesale volumes. On the uses side, uh, these um, shortfalls are offset by some savings in salaries and benefits, planned contributions to general reserve, as well as $5.2 million in debt service savings due to um, the 2023 bond refunding. In wastewater, the net operating result is projected to be 6.9 million to the positive. Uh, same, same story as water, total sources are down by 22.7 million because of the removal of the drought sur surcharge that we had been assuming in the budget. On the uses side, we've got some savings in salaries and benefits caused by vacancies um, and 27.8 million in planned general reserve contributions. In power, the net operating result is positive, 38.7 million. Uh, this is due to good news on both the sources and the uses side. On sources, total sources are up 12.4. Uh, retail sales are very slightly down, but that is made up for by increased wholesale power sales up 11.4 million due to higher generation. On the uses side, uh, we're seeing cost savings um, of 26.1 million in power, gas and steam costs. Uh, these are driven by higher generation, avoiding the need for additional power purchases in the first quarter. Um, last but not least, Clean Power SF. The net operating result is positive 52.9 million. Uh, this is largely driven by um, positive uh, variance in sources, up 29.8 million due to increased power sales and interest income. On the uses side, we are seeing some higher costs of power purchases, uh, but that is offset by some salary and benefit savings and a planned contribution to general reserve. Uh, all financial ratios are on target to meet our policies. And that's it. Any questions? Thank you. Thank you for your report. Could you give me um, an example? It says power wholesale revenues are projected to exceed the budget due to higher sales from resource adequacy. Will you give me an example of what that means? Actually, we'll call on my colleague Bob Hale to answer that one. She's the AGM of power. And it says combined with higher generation. Good afternoon, Barbara. Good afternoon, Barbara Hale, Assistant General Manager for Power. Uh, resource adequacy is a product sold in the market. We are required to purchase this product. It's the capacity to deliver electricity. The um, product is an expensive product on the market. When we're able to sell it, we get a good price for it. We do have um, RA sales from our Hetchy system as well as from excess we have for Clean Power SF. So it's a it's a product. It's a uh, yeah, it's not product like you can hold in your hand, right? It's a, okay. it's a type of electricity. So you can buy 
electricity that's flowing, so that's referred to as energy. You can buy the ability to generate electricity if it's needed, um, and that's referred to as capacity. Um, it's purchased on a megawatt month. Energy is purchased on the megawatt hour. So one is actual flowing energy, and the other one is the ability to provide that energy. And adequacy comes in? It's referred to as resource adequacy, I think, because it's, it provides for reliability on the system. So it's combined with one of those two? Resource adequacy is that capacity. Measured as in megawatt hours, um, excuse me, megawatts months. So an example of that would be? You promise, you own a generating facility um, that is uh, maybe a geothermal facility. Uh, you can produce power um, at the moment that it's needed. You make a commitment to a purchaser that you will if they need you. You don't actually produce the power unless they say, now please, okay? Great. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Jami. Uh, Ms. Hill, before you go, can I ask you a follow-up question on that? Sorry. <laughs> um, so I was actually wondering um, if you end up uh, on that capacity side, if you end up um, reserving capacity for someone and then uh, they call on it mm -hmm. and you're using that capacity yourself, does that mean then we have to go to... Uh, the market and buy our own electricity while giving that to them? Or yes, somehow we have to... As a matter of practice, you shouldn't be committing it to two uses, right? So we shouldn't be selling capacity to others that we think we need, right? Yes. So so we shouldn't have made the commitment if, if, if the purchaser said, now please, and we were like, oh, sorry, can't. That, that's we're not meeting our contractual obligation. Okay. And there are, um, you know, there are penalties and consequences within the um, contract as well as within the um, regulatory construct. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I actually, uh, my, my comment, maybe to you, but maybe also to Mr. Herrera, I brought this up a few times, um, looking at the water um, budget, it reminded me that I, maybe I should just bring this back again. Um, we really do need to think about decoupling our rates to make sure at every given time we have enough revenue to meet our fixed costs, then we don't end up being sure. I know we are on paper short and we are sort of managing our budget fine, but I really do think we should not be dependent on the drought surcharge to capture the reduction in demand, and then go back, and because they're not necessarily lining up properly. So um, my suggestion to you was, um, and I know we just went through the rate process, but my suggestion is maybe we can hire a power rate uh, consultant, since they have been doing decoupling forever and ever, and they can come and help us to think, rethink the way we do water rate decoupling, uh, because if you go hire another water rate consultant, they're going to give you the same thing you already have, right? So the only way to do this is to bring somebody who has already done it in another sector. Um, and then think about how we can revisit how we do uh, water rates and how we can avoid this situation. Um, we, 
that that doesn't guarantee us being in this situation ever, but at least in uh, sort of reduces this uncertainty we are dealing with at any given time. Thank you. Commissioner Stacy. Thank you. Uh, thank you for a thorough and detailed report. I have just a couple of fairly simple questions. On your Appendix A, there's a line item uh, for a department transfer adjustment, and then Appendices B, C, and D talk about uh, there's another line item for services of other departments. Could you expand a little bit on what those are, please? Yes, the first item you mentioned is about 46 million in water's budget. Yeah. That is also known as the Hetchy transfer. That is the amount that the water department transfers to Hetch Hetchy Water and Power to cover the costs of providing water. You'll see the opposite side of that transaction in Hetch Hetchy Water and Power's budget report. Mm -hmm. Services of other departments are also known as work orders or interdepartmental services. Those are costs that we pay to other departments within the city for services they provide. Examples would be city attorney, um, Department of Human Resources, Department of Technology, myriad of different work orders we have. Public what? works. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Great, any other uh, questions uh, from commissioners or comments? Okay, seeing none, why don't we open this to public comment? Thank you. Thank you very much um, for, for that thorough report. Do we have any members to provide comment on item 6A, the quarterly budget report? See none, public comment on 6A is closed. Uh, item B is? The Water uh, Enterprise Capital Improvement Program uh, quarterly report. Katie Miller will be presenting. And we have a PowerPoint with that. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, good afternoon, President Paulson, Vice President Rivera, and commissioners. Um, happy to be here today. I'm Katie Miller, uh, Director of Water Capital Programs. And if I could have the slides, thank you. Um, today I'm presenting an update on the Water Enterprise Capital Improvement Program as of the end of the first quarter of fiscal year 23-24 from July 1st to September 30th, 2023. Beginning with the first quarter of fiscal year 23-24, the program resets and adopts the project budgets and schedules that were approved by the Commission on February 14, 2023, and subsequently also approved by the Board of Supervisors. The program is referred to as the 2023 Water Enterprise CIP and generally includes projects with budgets greater than $5 million. The Regional Water Enterprise CIP now consists of 25 projects, with 23 projects carried forward and continuing from last fiscal year. Two projects were added to the program because the budgets increased to greater than $5 million, and two projects were removed from the program since they were completed. The local Water Enterprise CIP has carried forward all 11 existing continuing projects and has added two existing projects that were not previously reported. These pie charts show the status of the 38 projects in the program with a total budget of $3.1 billion. As you can see, the projects are spread pretty evenly between pre-construction and construction phases. Expenditures at the close of the reporting period were about $1 billion or about 33% of the budgets expended. This table shows a summary of program cost forecasts by category for all active projects. 
as you can see, because the budgets and schedules were reset to the February 2023 approved budgets and schedules, there are very few variances. The $17 million variance within the watershed and lands management category is due to two projects. The San Andreas number one service road improvements project carried forward a cost variance of about $6 million from last quarter, when an independent structural review of the 100% drawings resulted in more stringent requirements for deeper soldier piles and longer construction duration was recommended. And this was reported in the last quarterly report. The Southern Skyline Bay Ridge Trail Extension Project has a new cost variance uh, this quarter of about $11 million. $10.2 million of this is due to base construction bids that exceeded the project's construction budget, and the remaining approximately $800,000 is due to higher environmental compliance and construction management costs. The project team was aware that the project costs might exceed the approved construction budget, and thus bid items for the primary four miles of trail scope was included in the base bid, uh, and the remaining two miles of trail and other supporting facilities were included as additive alternatives, bid items, so that they could be added to the contract later if and when more budget could be made available. It should be noted that three out of the four bids received were closely clustered around the $20.5 million for base bid scope. Therefore, staff are confident the bid prices are competitive. Water Enterprise has now found available budget within the same authority and will be adding funding to the project in order to complete all of the work. And this will be a change order to the contract. Your approval will be requested for this in a near future meeting. This pie chart shows the total current approved budget for the 25 regional projects in each phase of the program. Uh, during the quarter, two, pro two projects moved to the bid and award phase. And now I'll share just a couple of uh, project highlights. The Sonoma Valley Water Treatment Plant Ozone Project uh, during the reporting period, the 100% design package was finalized and a 100% cost estimate was performed. And that project is now currently advertised. An amendment to the 2009 Sonoma Valley Water Treatment Plant Expansion and Treated Water Reservoir Environmental Impact Report was completed for the project. The construction contract was advertised for bids. The Sonoma Valley Chloramination Facility was added to the program this quarter since its approved budget is now greater than $5 million. Initiated in 2019, this facility improvement project will upgrade chemical feed systems for disinfection, pH control, and fluoride addition to the Hetch Hetchy water supply at the Alameda Siphons, and improve the dechlorination and pH control systems for waters to be discharged. The project has currently completed the 100% design documents and is being prepared for advertisement. During this quarter, the commission approved a sole source recommendation for chemical injection pumps required for the project. And we thank you for that. Um, the con construction contract for the Harry Tracy water treatment plant filter underdrain replacement uh, was successfully completed during the quarter. The underdrains have been turned over to operations. They are now in full usage which is critical since we are currently operating the Harry Tracy water treatment plant at about 60 million gallons per day during this 100-day winter shutdown of the Hetch Hetchy system. 
The Millbrae Security Upgrades Project was added to the program this quarter since its approved budget is now greater than $5 million. Initiated in 2019, this project funds security and improvements at the Millbrae Yard, such as fencing, video surveillance, and alarm systems. The contract documents are at 100% design completion and are being finalized for advertisement. Uh, for the local water enterprise CIP projects, uh, the current approved budget for the 13 local projects is, has a total value of one point, about $1.5 million, as billion. As you can see, the majority of the projects are in construction and multiple phases. And just a couple of highlights on projects. The Lead Component Services Project is newly reported in the 2023 Local Water Enterprise CIP. This project was initiated in 2021 in response to the 2016 Senate Bill 1398 that requires public water systems to submit an inventory of all known user service lines made of lead and or unknown materials. While well, the SFPUC replaced all known lead components and pipes in the 1980s, there are about 10,000 service lines with unknown materials and about 4,500 service lines categorized as galvanized steel where there is a small chance that there is a lead material connection to the meter. City staff are performing site investigations to confirm materials and finding much lower numbers of actual galvanized service lines. From site investigations, it is estimated about 1,300 services in total will need to be replaced. The City Distribution Division and Water Quality Bureau staff, with support from a contractor for street excavation and restoration, are performing this work in-house. During the past quarter, 184 water service lines were replaced during the quarter, and about 200 are planned for this current quarter. The cost per service replacement is estimated about uh, $5,600 per replacement. <clears throat> the reservoir roof and tank coatings project is also newly reported in the 2023 local water enterprise CIP. This project funds a replacement of exterior coatings on all San Francisco water reservoirs and tanks. Coatings typically last about 10 years in San Francisco's harsh marine environment, and many of the reservoir roofs and tank coatings are in need of replacement. Previously considered an R&R project, the costs for some of the coatings replacements are significant, such as University Mound with an estimated cost of about $6 million. University Mound North Basement coating replacement is being fast-tracked in advance of installation of solar panel facilities by the Power Enterprise. Sutro Reservoir and Legrand tanks have been determined next highest priority. A master plan will be performed next year to help prioritize the remaining coatings work. And finally, the Emergency Firefighting Water System Pipelines Project uh, completed construction on the 19th Avenue. The Clarendon Supply Project construction neared completion. Training of operations staff extends the project through December. Uh, this photo shows the completed enclosure installation for the EFWS Clarendon Supply Project at Delbrook and Clarendon in Midtown Terrace neighborhood. And design for the potable emergency firefighting water system pipelines continued. With that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Great. Thank you, Ms. Miller. Um, I have a couple questions, but or actually a simple one. Is that the blue tower you see, the, the one you guys are going to recoat? 
Is that the big yes. tower we see all over the place? That okay. is the Legrand tank, yes. Okay, that is, okay, thanks. And um, I had a question, if we can go back to the regional, part of the regional report, and I just wanted you to summarize, because it went either too fast for me or too fast in general. There's a change order that's gonna come back to us based on some stuff that you anticipated, but it was going to be significant enough that you pointed it out that's come back. Could you come back and tell, tell us just real quickly what that's attached to again? I, I just wanted to flag that. Yes, I'd Please. be happy to. That is for the Southern Skyline uh, Bay Ridge Trail Extension Ridge. Project. And uh, we had a lower cost estimate that we were carrying. Um, we had to complete the um, NEPA in order to obtain a Caltrans grant for the project, which extended the project about a year. So when we did finally get to um, advertising it for bids, the bids were much higher than we expected. Um, we knew that we probably didn't have enough money in the current budget. Um, we, we suspected that. So we broke it into a base bid uh, with the four miles of the project scope and then added alternate bid items that we could come back and add later as a change order once we had secured funding. So that is what we are now doing. We've uh, awarded the project. You all awarded the project um, for the base bid. Right. And now we're going to come back to you with a change order to add the remaining scope. So we will be able to build the entire six miles of the project. So this, this was the added miles that finally came on board once the bids went out. That is correct. And the good news is since we put it in as alternate bid item, we have a price. We have a price on it, and it was competitively bid. So it's Got not it. a change order that's just going to be, you know, whatever the contractor wants. Great. Thanks for revisiting that. Um, Supervisor Maxwell. I, I just wanted to make sure that the tower is going to be the same color. <laughs> Absolutely. We love that color. You see blue. <laughs> Any more um, questions for Ms. Miller? Okay, thank you very much uh, for that report. And if we could now open this up to um, public any, comment, please. Any Items members of uh, the public present to provide comment on item 6B? Is in this is a very good presentation in general. I would like the general manager and the commission to focus on the Bayview Hunters Point. There are many, I repeat many, homes that have lead pipes. And it's easy to say and make general statements, but it's quite another thing to first locate the homes and then do something about it. Because with the water system improvement project and the sewer system improvement project, there's a lot of general statements about helping uh, the general population in San Francisco. But if our children have been drinking contaminated water, and none of you commissioners have the guts to talk about it and then do something about it, then something is wrong. So I'm asking the general manager, because I had asked uh, uh, Harlan Kelly, and he promised me, and he said, okay, I'll do something, but he did nothing. 
So I'm asking the general manager Herrera to please do not allow our children to die from lead poisoning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there any more public comment on 6B? If not, I guess we're going to go to the WISIP quarterly report. And I th oh, Commissioner Ajami, excuse me. Um, actually, um, I appreciate you bringing that up because I was searching um, online before you came up. Uh, there are these simple tests, uh, lead tests that are um, that I know Chicago, City of Chicago, has been distributing among their uh, constituents to test their water. It's like it doesn't need to go to the lab. I think it's just like something you buy and bring your home and test. And while you were talking, I was thinking, um, you know, it might be useful uh, to do some testing. And I know that we as a utility are responsible for all the pipes before the meter and behind the meter is a totally different situation. <clears throat> but what was going through my mind was if there is a combination of household lead pipes and then also street lead pipes, you might get a higher or different elevation of lead in the water. And I have literally have no idea if that's true or not, or that's going to work or not. But I was just trying to think, um, is there a way we can do a different kind of testing in this process? Yeah, we do offer pretty significant testing, and I'd like to bring Assistant General Manager Richie up to share with you about that. Yeah, Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, we have a number of things going on relative to lead, uh, so I would make sure the, the Commission was aware of that because we really are aggressively attacking the lead problem. Uh, the first one is that capital project that uh, was described by uh, <clears throat> uh, Katie Miller, uh, which is to find on the meter side for the service connections any remaining lead we can. And so that's a very aggressive project going forward. We fully funded that in the capital program and frankly reduced other programs to make sure that one was gonna move forward very rapidly and that's working very well. Uh, the second thing uh, to note is uh, there is uh, just been uh, issued by the federal government uh, the lead and copper rule improvements, uh, which is uh, a long-awaited change in the regulations for uh, lead and copper pipes and how they're managed. Uh, that uh, we're still evaluating, but one of the things it does uh, is it uh, uh, basically directs uh, water agencies to deal with the other side of the meter mm -hmm. up to the house. Yep. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something that we're looking at right now is what it would take for us to uh, actually accomplish that. Uh, there are estimates for many other places that are enormous. Chicago, for example, sure. is in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> we expect ours to be something less than that. Um, and then the last is our lead testing program. I'm unfamiliar with whatever it is that Chicago might be using. We, for years and years and years, uh, offer lead testing for inside anybody's house where we provide the bottle. They give us the sample, uh, and then we test it and provide them the results. I think there's a minimal charge for that, and I don't recall what it is. Uh, but we've been doing that uh, for, you know, 
at least 20 years. Uh, and so we do that routinely. We make sure that's available for everybody. Uh, if there's a new simpler test methodology out there, uh, we'll look into it and make sure that we're taking advantage of it. We do want to make sure that it's accurate. Because yes. we've had that You don't problem. want everybody showing up at your door with an inaccurate test. Exactly. Yes. But, and then we go and test yes. and find out those are false results. Yes. That's, that's almost as bad as not knowing in the first place. But we want to make sure we get the right answer uh, and get people the help to do it. Because in addition, as you change things, we actually, uh, <clears throat> the uh, evidence shows that the disruption in the system causes a little spike Movement in potential lead. Yes. And so we actually provide point-of-use treatment devices whenever we make a replacement where there was some lead suspect mm -hmm. in the system, and so uh, homeowners can be protected that way. Um, okay. Mr. you sorry, on, on, the, um, on the test kits, I'll, I'll, we did some research like a couple of years ago. I'll send you what I know I'll, about that. I'll so, Google yeah. it from my seat. Yeah, you can Google <laughs> them. Exactly, you can find them. Um, but on the second item you mentioned on the lead and uh, copper rules um, for behind the meter, Mm -hmm. Do you think we will have access to the money that's being provided by federal government for doing that, or you think this is going to be something that we will we have to do it on will our be, own dime? Whatever money will be provided, I'm sure there will be great competition for it. And yes. you know, the, the the example cited by everybody is Chicago. It's just got an enormous uh, problem there that they yes. have to deal with, and so that may gobble up all the money uh, and still not even make a dent in their problem. So we'll see how that plays out. But as always, we will be looking very aggressively at opportunities for additional funding so that we can do the right job. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Katie Miller with item C, please, the Water System Improvement Quarterly Report. Um, thank you, Commissioners. I'm Katie Miller, Director of Water Capital Programs. And uh, may I have the slides, please? And I'll present to you today an update on the Regional Water System Improvement Program. As of the end of the first quarter of fiscal year 23-24, the period from July 1st to September 30th, 2023. These pie charts show the program is still 99% complete. During the quarter, there were $5 million in expenditures. The cost summary shows the status of the two remaining active projects. There were no new cost variances during the quarter. The cost variance for the Alameda Creek recapture project was held at $10.2 million, same as last quarter, while final contract costs are still being negotiated. The Alameda Creek recapture projects Future scope, cost, and schedule are being evaluated in order to include additional budget in the upcoming fiscal year 25 to 34 10-year CIP in order to perform additional planning work to eventually complete the project. After this commission approves the proposed additional budget in this February, we will submit a notice of change to the state for uh, changes to the water system improvement program and include WSIP stakeholders, and that will be in early 2024 to document the changes. We are holding the higher project cost forecast for now until the contract final costs have been determined and negotiated. Many of the materials purchased for the project were redistributed to water enterprise facilities and will be capitalized for their full value. 
the estimated total value is about $700,000. Other materials that could not be used by our departments were auctioned to the highest bidder in three separate online auctions for a total of about $100,000. Finally, we continue to work with the quarry operator to review their plans for slope stabilization of the quarry pond banks. For the Regional Groundwater Storage and Recovery Project, construction continued in Contract C to rehabilitate well pumps and casings that were damaged by corrosion, as well as install variable speed drives and flow meters. During the quarter, two wells were rehabilitated and vaults for flow meter installation were constructed. For Contract D, the final contract, the final approved electrical system design was received from PG&E. This contract was advertised in October. With that, I'd be happy to take any questions. Thank you. Commissioners. I see no questions, so thank I, you for that update. Oh. I have a, I yes. have a couple of questions. Commissioner Stacy. Uh, thank you for that report. Um, the, on the auction of the unused materials from Alameda Creek, you said that the PUC auctioned off a material in three different auctions for a total of $100,000. Do you think that you got good uh, value for what the PUC originally spent? Um, no. <laughs> uh, we spent a lot more than that. And mm -hmm. um, because the materials had not been fabricated, they mm -hmm. were really literally raw materials oh. um, at still at the manufacturer's plants in mm -hmm. a lot of little pieces. Mm -hmm. We just didn't want to pay to have any more manufacturing done to get them to some level of higher quality that maybe we could have gotten some value back. So we auctioned them as is. And even that, it took three separate auctions uh, to get some kind of value. So we didn't get much back, but at least we can tell our ratepayers that we did everything in our power yeah. to try and get some value for them. Yeah. Um, if we had not auctioned them, they would go back to the uh, contractor and we would pay a disposal fee. So um, better that we did it this way. So it's unfortunate, but uh, still better than spending a lot of money and not getting much for it. Yeah, thank you. I, I had a couple other questions about the Alameda Creek um, recapture project. I think on page four of your quarterly report, you show that as meeting, now I'm not sure about the page number, um, some of your construction progress towards LOS goals. I assume that's a remnant from the original project, and because there's no construction anymore and no progress, that that number isn't correct. Is that am I misunderstanding that? Yes, that I, I believe that is really a a, mis, uh, a mistake on our part for not catching that. Um, there uh, is no construction this quarter towards LOS goals, and so we left that in from last quarter and. Duly noted, we will make sure that we correct that for the next report. Okay, so thank you for uh, bringing that to our attention. Sure, and the, the other question I had is the Alameda Creek forecast for completion is June of 2024, and you say elsewhere in the report that you're winding down the current contract. Is that June 2024 date for winding down the current contract? 
is that yes and, and we have not changed that yet because we just don't know what the <coughs> next date will be until we've mm -hmm. done a little bit more of this planning work um, we have now um, come up with a date that we will submit when we submit the new budget request for the additional money um, and I think we're a little we, once we submit a date, we're really obligated to the to the state to submit a notice of change. So we're just holding that date for now until we have better information. Sure. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Any other questions for Ms. Miller? Okay. If not, uh, let's open this uh, item C, the quarterly report to uh, public comment, please. We have public comment on item 6C. <clears throat> Seeing none. Seeing none. Okay. Um, is there anything else? I, um, that concludes my report, Mr. President. Okay. Thank you. Um, and that includes, are there any other announcements um, on um, for activities, events, or what have you? None. Okay. So let's move to item seven, please. Um, I, item seven. Approve a fee structure and fee schedule for the use of re reservable rooms and spaces at the Southeast Community Center and authorize the general manager to approve and modify event policies and procedures for reservations and the use of the Southeast Community Center. Can you bring up the slides, please? Good afternoon, commissioners. Emily Rogers, executive director of the Southeast Community Center. I'm here today with Victoria Bryant, our program analyst. Thank you for your time and consideration this afternoon. We are here to ask the commission to approve the fee structure and schedule for use of reservable rooms and spaces at the Southeast Community Center. Next slide. There you go. We are also asking you to authorize the general manager to approve and modify event policies and procedures for reservations and use of the Southeast Center. Before we dive into the details of this fee schedule, I'd like to briefly share a few highlights. The center is absolutely fabulous and has been well received by the community. As you know, the center opened a little bit more than a year ago, and in that time, the center has established itself as a premier event venue with both flexible and in indoor and outdoor spaces that can accommodate a range of event activities. In alignment with our mission to serve the Bayview Hunters Point community, over the past year, we have hosted more than 1,100 events and received more than 44,000 visitors. We have hosted community meetings, family celebrations, workshops organized by nonprofits, town halls, as well as events put on by the mayor and other community, uh, city dignitaries. I am now going to turn the presentation over to Victoria, who will walk you through the fee structure and schedule. Thank you, Director Farr. Good afternoon, General Manager and Commissioners. Um, I'll go ahead and get started. So in the next couple of slides, I will review the SECC's fee structure and schedule, as well as deposits, discounts, and add-ons. Here lies an overview of the fee development process, which began with researching comparable spaces in the Bay Area. Those comparable spaces include city agencies, such as the City of Daly City and San Francisco's Recreation and Parks Department. After compiling research, we used the data and information to develop SECC's fee structure. We made sure to keep affordability at the forefront, especially for community members when developing the fee structure and schedule. 
And by doing so, the fee structure and schedule is concise, clear to understand, and on par with pricing based on comparable spaces. After developing a concise fee structure and schedule, I presented to the Southeast Community Facility Commission in March of 2023, and they proceeded with recommending the SFPUC Commission to formally adopt the fee structure and schedule. Next slide. The fee structure consists of three fee types, individual, business, and special events. Individuals are members of the general public, Businesses are entities that classify as a corporation or private party, including nonprofits. Special events are those that consist of fundraising efforts, ticket sales, weddings, and more. On the right-hand side of the screen, back, oh yeah. On the right-hand side of the screen, there are several examples of hourly rates using our most popular spaces. Rates range from $90 an hour, starting with the multi-purpose room. Uh, go back. Back. Mm -hmm. Yes. No problem. Um, so starting from $90 an hour with one multi-purpose room up to $125 an hour um, in the Alex Pitcher Pavilion. Now next slide. Thank you. Deposits are 30% of the total reservation cost and there's an additional deposit in the amount of $500 for events that involve memorial services and for events that intend to serve alcohol to their guests. There are two discounts one for District 10 community members and one for nonprofit entities. Eligibility for the District 10 community discount is based on the individual rate. It's based on the individual rate um, and is applied based on a community member's zip code. Nonprofit discounts are applied based on the business rate and applied upon receipt of proof of current 501c3 status. And lastly, add-ons. There are three add-ons, event monitors, security, and additional hours. Event monitors and security personnel are required for all events that occur outside of normal business hours and if the event um, exceeds 100 guests. The guests may request up to four of each at the cost of $26.86 an hour and at um, $30.24 an hour, respectively. The rate for additional hours varies and will reflect the, reflect the initial rate of the guest reservation. And that concludes our presentation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for that information and that presentation. Um, ironically, I might say that I was looking at, and I don't remember which, if it was Facebook or um, Instagram this morning, and they have this little section on there, as you probably all know, called Memories, and I actually looked at it one time, and the first thing that came up was my ugly mug standing in front of the, the community center. And sure enough, I remembered, okay, I, was, I went and took a walk and I had coffee and, and lunch there. It must have been 365 years ago today. And, and, and again, I think all of us who have been there or have talked about it, we know what a great uh, um, center that is. So anyway, I just had that comment and thanks for the presentation. Any other questions about the um, presentation and fees and, and, and what have you or comments from the commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Jami. Thank you for your presentation. That was excellent. Um, just actually, I have a question on the fees and all that. Uh, did you guys also, uh, did you have any feedback from the community on these numbers? I mean, they look very reasonable, uh, but of course, reasonable can mean different things to different people. Um, and I was just wondering if you have any, uh, if you have had any feedback. 
on those uh, numbers? Generally, the fees have been received very well. Um, there are people that have expressed appreciation for having discounts for local community members, okay. especially. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, thank you. That was excellent. Great. Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you, um, and thank you for your presentation. Are the fees doing um, what they're supposed to do? I mean, they're supposed to help with maintenance, and, and what are they supposed to help with? And, and are they doing that adequately? So we are, um, a part also, we, we are part of the wastewater enterprise, and so the fees go back into the wastewater budget um, and overall support our operations. And for over, could you speak a little bit closer? So the fees go, we are part of waste, the wastewater enterprise, and so the fees go back into the wastewater budget to support our operations and other wastewater activities. And so then, um, so then you, if they're going back into the budget, are they delineated so that you know what's coming from um, fees and, and what's coming from general? Not specifically. What we do know, we, we have a budget like every other division or department, and um, we've received you know, good support from the wastewater enterprise in terms of supporting our programs and activities. And our budget, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fair. Okay, well, I, I just want to make sure that there's no, you know, that we're doing the best so that there's yeah. no problem with all of a sudden maintenance. Um, you know, that there's not enough money for maintenance and it's, you know, and they're not carrying the weight, and we're going to have to do this or that. So that's why I'm asking the question. I understand. Yeah, no, the way the budget is structured, most of our budget um, actually covers our operations and our maintenance, and we seem to be, at, we've been adequately resourced for that. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And just one, one clarification, yeah. if I may. This is strictly for events. This isn't rent-based or long-term stuff. This is just community access because for the different facilities that are there to do events and whatever. This isn't permanent type of structures for anything. This is just... These are one-off events. Right. Um, there may be Got a it. series depending on how they're structured, but they're basically one-off one one -off. events. Perfect. Thank Absolutely. you for clarifying that. Okay. Are there any other questions of commissioners? Okay. Um, I know that um, there are, I've been told by our secretary that we have cards and people have signed up to speak. So I'm going to ask if the uh, commission secretary, when we open this up to public comment right now, that you <laughs> handle, um, handle um, the public comment, please. Thank you. Um, we've received cards from Susan Murphy, Francisco da Costa, and um, Aronde Sterling. If you could please come to the and others, yes. if so, you could just so if, get in a queue, please. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, submitted a card, no problem. Just you could sign up, uh, line up on that wall, and then come up when uh, uh, after Mr. Sterling. And we will call you after this. Go ahead. People who did sign up. Okay, so read the first name, please. Oh, Go we ahead. have it. Got it. <laughs> Good afternoon. Good afternoon, President Paulson, Vice President Rivera, Commissioners, and Madam Secretary. My name is Susan Murphy. I'm the chair for the Southeast Community Center Commission. Um, I basically just wanted to briefly come to the podium to give, to put on the record, to be able to give kudos and acknowledgement to the staff for the stellar job that they've been doing since the opening of the facility. There have been many bumps and issues that they've had to overcome while taking into consideration the needs of the facility as well as the community. There is obviously a gap that was needed because even two months ago, I think we were booked all the way through 2024. Uh, my family has been 
in Bayview Hunters Point since the 60s. So District 10 is deserving of the state-of-the-art building, and it has been a long time coming. Um, I have gotten nothing but praise from community as well as from the service providers. Please take into consideration that the staff has taken actually into consideration um, the fees so that they are fair and equitable to the community at large. Thank you very much. Oh, I just want to say also thank you, Commissioner Maxwell, for bringing up the point in regards to the funds and how they how we can also see if they can also come back to the Southeast Center, specifically for the events that are happening there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioners, I want you all to pay very careful attention to this situation. You remember we had 1800 Oakdale. And 1800 Oakdale um, served the community very well. And now we have 1550 Evans. Do we have a policy, a general policy of, on this building when it comes to renting the rooms? And What's very important to note is, when you have a community building, you have to have community meetings. Not what she said, or somebody else said, or what somebody enjoyed. That's, that's all good. Now, how are y'all going to cater in the short term and the long term to any community members who need a room, maybe for an hour, or sometimes when you have to do deep deliberations, like we are doing for three or four hours. We need to know this. There were some uh, meetings held before at the treatment plant that didn't go very well. Then they came to 1550 Evans. Every morning at 8 o'clock, I attend those meetings. We need to know, why is this put on the agenda? And who is affected and in what manner? And I'm saying this because the Bayview Opera House, sometimes they rent it for $3,000 because there's nothing in writing. But before doing it, Thank you. Next in line, please. Good afternoon, commissioners. Thank you for allowing us to speak before you. My name is Oscar James. I'm a native resident of Beaver Hunts Point for the last 77 years. I also served as the Model Cities Commissioner to approve the uh, concept of the MOU for the Southeast Sewer Treatment Plant to be put in this original place. And the community benefit package, I've lost my MOU. What I'm asking for this commission to get the MOU to our community so the subcontractors and contractors know exactly what's in there, how it benefits our community. Uh, I know most of you know Dr. Jackson and, and, and other, Mr. Pitcher and others who have 
fault in giving our note, my darling friend, Miss Maxwell, is very familiar with a lot of this. But we need to, for the younger peoples, to have the information in black and white what is due them uh, for the suffering of us getting the sewage treatment plant and not getting the crosstown pipe to take the sludge and the sewage out. So if you can make that possible. The other thing I would like to say, uh, I'm understanding that the water department is going to get Phelps Street, and I think the community should be compensated some kind of way by you guys getting that sewage treatment plan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next in line, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, good afternoon, general managers and commissioners. My name is Oronde Sterling. Uh, I'm a contractor, um, fairly new, about three years. Um, part of the San Francisco uh, Hyperlocal Building Trade Construction Collective. We hold a meeting every Tuesday at the Southeast Community Center. And me personally, I think that it would put a hinder on us, especially having uh, trouble getting contracts in our own city, in our own city uh, as a community contractor, being charged for the rooms that the actual community put together. The community built that, you know what I mean? So I don't see how it would help us out if we were to be charged even for an hour, two hours, three hours uh, for a room that was built by the community. Also, um, if we have to pay for this um, rate, the rates or what have you, you know, we already having trouble again with our backlog because we're having trouble getting contracts. So to make this another, you know, uh, I guess you could call it a necessity uh, to pay, a, it'll be another bill for us, you know, and we're already having trouble um, like I said, we're having trouble with our backlog. So approving this, I think, would actually um, create an issue for small business contractors. And that's all I have to say. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next in line, please. My apologies. We already came back from another meeting. Um, thank you. My name is Mr. Dennis Williams. Um, I'm a real estate developer, San Francisco, and also a community leader. SFPUC, oh, oh, thank you guys too. SFPUC must, refund, must fund or refund past community programs, most notably started by legendary black leaders such as Mr. Oliver, who spoke earlier, Ruth Williams, Ms. Osceola Washington, and Dr. Arthur, just to name a few. Programs, um, especially those pertaining to community outreach, business credit, job training, Bonding and credit limits are imperative for small uh, black businesses to thrive and employ their community. The Bayview must receive priority and preference on jobs in our historical black community. Bayview must be sufficiently funded to get ready for the new quantum technology um, that's coming through. Anytime things are expanded in our historical black communities, it is known that funding must come to those communities, especially the Naval Shipyard and the Bio Waste Plant, black developers, contractors, and truckers um, and even project ground cleaners are not being given contracts that would provide immediate economic impact in the Bayview. Now and for future generations, $12 billion in budget for the wastewater. Why are qualified black firms such as mine and others um, being racially excluded? SF Hyperlocal Building Trades uh, Contractors Collective meets at that um, community center. 
um, and have been doing for a while, they need to be funding as well. They're the new leadership and they're leading the way. Lead poisoning both paint and pipes, toxic waste have crippled our senior citizens, most of whom are homeowners in the Bayview. Their property is now being wrongly targeted. They need help. Egregious negligence at, but not limited to, limited to San Francisco city government is the reason um, I say and others say, as and must contribute to the funding assistance program. Similar to those that in the Fillmore restored dilapidated Victorian homes uh, for wealthy white and Chinese landlords decades ago. Black SB. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you, sir. Um, and I, I do want to remind everybody, we're talking about the fee structure for the uh, rooms at the Southeast uh, Community Center. So next in line, please come. No, well, we got it. No, we got it. And thank you, sir. And please uh, get in line um, and you'll be recognized. Sir, you're next. Good afternoon. My name is Demetrius Williams. I'm the president of the San Francisco Hyper Local Building Trace Collective Co Contractors Collective. I'm here to uh, just get a little more. I think I don't think we should be quick to jump out and just start charging the community because again, and I got a lot of love for Emily. I was the uh, plumbing contractor on a job, so I know everybody needs to be paid. But at the same time, we need to do a little more uh, community involvement, especially talking about a budget, charging people that already don't have the necessary resources or funding is coming out and reaching out to the community for a place to come that's peaceful, that's not damaged, that's not destroyed, that's not ran down, that we actually have a place to go to and have like funeral after funeral or after community involvement just get us involved and it'd be good to see you all out there I'm glad that you was involved in uh, being in the pictures but it'd be good to see you actually at the community center to see how beautiful it was built designed and is running all the water work because of CIW and Sons Plumbing but that's another story. But I'm just speaking on in general that, you know, a lot of people who come to that community uh, center don't have the resources or funding that we all is uh, blessed to have. So let's just do a little more uh, sitting down, getting the community involved and come up with a better budget, a better strategy. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Lasonia Mansfield. I'm the owner of Mansfield and Mansfield Construction Cleanup Company, site support out of the Bayview Hunters Point. I also had the pleasure of working on 1550 Evans Street. We did the cleaning there. Um, and the part that I wanna speak on is there's a vast difference between 1800 Oakdale to 1550 Evans. Back then, I had no resources, and it was paramount, or it just provided opportunity for me to go somewhere to write a proposal, to start my business, to research. We had computers, we had printers, and there was no charge. And I know this is an event space, but it would be so nice if we still had those type of resources as well I do not feel as connected, unfortunately, to 1550. It's a beautiful place, um, but it does not provide some of the functional needs that we need as well. Thank you. Hopefully I'm on ta um, target or task in regards, but I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you very much. 
Um, are there any more folks that want to talk about item seven, the fee structure um, for the reservable rooms at the community center? Is there any more public comment? Seeing none, um, can I, um, any other comments from the commissioners? If not, um, can we have a motion and second to approve item seven? Yes, comment. Commissioner Ajami. I just want to say I really appreciate you guys taking the time and coming here and engaging with us. It's always great to have uh, members of the public here and um, to hear from you. Um, so I just wanted to appreciate that. And I've, I just want to also say my understanding from this item was uh, would not have anything to do with individuals going there and working or uh, doing activities. This was only event-based um, charging. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Okay. But yeah, that's correct. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Okay, thank you so much for thank you. Um, are, are there any clarifications for this um, before we uh, take this vote? Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Um, and I, I, too, appreciate you all coming, and I can appreciate your concern. And the fact that you are here talking about this building really makes me feel good. And, and this is how it gets better. And so I think we can talk more um, if there's not that business community space that perhaps we can look into having a business community space. And I think that people will feel more comfortable as time goes on and that it will get better. So thank you so much for coming. And, and um, I think a lot of us have, have listened and we will uh, attempt to do some, some better things, thank you, or more things. Thank you. And, and I think I feel like I would like to weigh in right now. I, I went to the, um, to the community center down by Candlestick in, in Industrial Park. Um, I was, when I was first appointed to this uh, commission by Mayor Breed, I was the secretary treasurer of the Building and Construction Trades Council. I am a journeyman in the trades, and, and we know that uh, it, it's so great uh, the amount of work that was done both in the community and the fact that people were getting living wages and prevailing wages and, and what have you to build this wonderful center. I mean, it just was a convergence of of good things that were happening. And I know that those resources, you know, for, you know, working to make sure that microcontractors and, and, uh, and, and all um, uh, contractors um, get full crack at uh, works that are done throughout the entire PUC, not just 1550 um, uh, Evans. Um, are, are involved in this stuff. And again, thank you for the clarification that this is the, this is not the resource centers because people can still use those resources just like I have. I went there to, I've been there myself to meet people and I buy a cup of coffee or not buy a cup of coffee. And I know that's a, it's an absolute wonderful, you know, resource for the community in particular in District 7. I live in District 9, just on the other side of 3rd Street. But um, um, that being said, it's, it's a great community center. So I, I just needed to weigh in on uh, that particular piece. So thank you all for coming. That being said, any other comments? Um, is there a request? I, I will request if there's a motion and second to approve the fees for um, these um, center, these one-off events. Is there a motion? A move to approve. I'll second. Is there a second? And there's a motion and a second. Could we have a roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. Five ayes. The 
Motion passes. Next, um, could you read the next item, please? Item 8, award contract number WD2862, San Antonio Pump Station Motor Control Center replacement and seismic retrofit to the responsible bidder that submitted the lowest responsive bid, Big Valley Electric, in the amount of 8869322 and with the duration of 1,125 consecutive calendar days. Afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, Stephen Robinson, Assistant General Manager for Infrastructure. This item is awarded a construction contract at the San Antonio Pump Station in the Sunol Valley. Um, we followed a normal competitive uh, procurement process. There were three bids. Um, so this is to award Big Valley Electric um, for their bid in the amount of just under $9 million and just over three years. Thank you. Um, is there any discussion about this uh, contract award? Any questions among the commissioners? If not, can I have a motion? Uh, let's open this up to public comment. I'm sorry. Members of the public present to provide comment on item number eight. See none. Seeing no comment, um, I request a motion and second to approve item eight, please. I move to approve. Second. Roll call, please. President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Stepped out. Stepped out. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Okay, item nine, please. Could you read item nine, Madam Secretary? Item nine. It's a public hearing to consider impossible action to adopt revised rules and regulations governing electric service in conformance with the requirements of Charter Section 4.104, effective February 12, 2024. The revised version of the rules replaces in its entirety the original version that the Commission approved in February 2010, as well as amendments in November 2015 and May 2017. Thank you. May I have the slides, please? Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Catherine Spalding. I'm a deputy assistant general manager in the Power Enterprise, and I'm pleased to present to you today for your review and possible action, the rules and regulations governing electric service. Thank you. So what are these rules? These rules lay out the conditions under which Hetch Hetchy Power provides electric service to our customers. They are our adopted standards. They, they provide for uniform treatment of customers. They delineate our responsibilities as well as our customers' responsibilities. Such rules are an electric utility best practice. Our rules were first established back in 2010 with some amendments thereafter. And updates are needed today in order to reflect the evolution of the Hetch Hetchy power program, as well as be more responsive to our customers. So as you can see from this slide, um, there is a very broad range of issues that are addressed by the rules. They touch upon almost every aspect of our day-to-day -day operations and customer engagement ranging from customer privacy to billing to metering to distribution and service line extensions. I'm gonna take just a couple of minutes now to provide a few highlights and give you a few examples. So for uh, supply and interruption of service, that's rule 2.3. This talks about the need for SFPUC to undertake needed repairs for maintenance and so service can be interrupted, but we will 
do so um, by giving advance notice to our customers and minimizing any inconvenience as much as possible. Rule five, initiating or modifying service. This rule talks about the process for our applicants to apply for electric service and our process in designing and engineering new connections and upgrades. Rule nine is streetlights. This talks about how streetlights must meet our design standards and when we are responsible for streetlights. For instance, when they are publicly owned, installed in the public right-of-way, and they have been installed with our prior approval. Rule 10, uh, discontinuance and restoration of service. We will, of course, discontinue service if requested by the customer, customer or if there are any uh, code violations or tampering with equipment. But we may also discontinue service if there are unpaid bills. The rules provide many specifics around advanced notification as well as safeguards for customers. I'll briefly mention just a few. Um, if a customer is disabled, elderly, facing life-threatening medical situation, uh, there, if there's a bill dispute, if there has been a request for an extension of time to pay due to financial hardship, these are all taken into account. Also, I'd like to note that we have a long-standing long practice of no discontinuance of service for our low-income residential customers. Cost allocation, that's Rule 12 and Rule 15. This talks about what the customer is responsible for paying for and what we are responsible for paying for when it comes to upgrades and distribution and service line extensions. Generally, we, the utility, pay for electric facilities. These are switches, protective devices, wires, the equipment which provides for the flow of electricity, whereas the customer is typically responsible for what we call substructures. These are conduits, vaults, trenching, equipment pads, etc. Finally, I will note there are many detailed appendices. These include standard form arrangements for customers, such as our application for electric service, distribution and service line agreement template, as well as many detailed technical appendices on issues such as service equipment and installations and operating requirements. So for our proposed 2023 update of the rules, what we have done is consolidate repetitive information, provided better consistency of terms, eliminated unnecessary um, technical language, and generally sought to provide additional details and make the document more user-friendly. So chief among these changes is we now have specific sections in rules depending on what kind of customer you are. If you are a customer that, it, that we are serving via connection with a third-party distribution services, that would be PG&E, uh, there is a section and some specific rules for you. If you're a customer who we are serving via connection to our own distribution, it's similar but slightly different, so there's some specific rules um, there for that customer group. And um, our own distribution would be primarily in the city's redevelopment areas, so Treasure Island, Yerba Buena Island, uh, Mission Rock, Hunters Point Shipyard. And finally, there is a specific section and some rules for our customers who are you know, mostly developers 
who are engaged in multi-phase master plan developments, again, in the city's redevelopment areas. So um, as I mentioned, the 2023 update provides a lot of additional clarifications um, and details, particularly around cost allocations and generating facility interconnections. This is primarily customer-owned solar. Um, but largely, there is really little to no substantive change in these rules compared to the prior version. Uh, my final slide and um, the final point I would like to drive home is that these rules and the proposed updates are about accountability to our customers. This is the standard to which we hold ourselves and we are continually striving to do better. In order to do this, of course, a first step is we must have clear rules that are effectively documented so that we can be transparent and we can be consistent. Today, we are seeking your approval of these proposed rules to go into effect uh, two months from now. This is so that we can have additional time to socialize these rules with our customers, but please let me be clear. There are no surprises for our customers in these rules, and they very much reflect our current practices. Um, in addition, we have had you know, many conversations with our customers um, about this process already. I, uh, as I noted, we have detailed appendices. These are already online and can be updated and expanded as needed. I also would like to mention that um, across the board, um, these rules or any of our guidelines or standards, we always honor the guidelines and standards that are in place at the time a customer makes an application for electric service. We would never want a situation where the rules and the guidelines are changing over the course of a project. So we are being accountable to our customers and making sure we're being consistent um, with them in our approach. And my last point, we are also um, bringing online soon a variance request process because inevitably there's going to be situations where there's something specific to a site or a certain type of equipment where a customer might need to request meeting our rules or our guidelines in a flexible or alternative way. And so we need to have a clear process uh, for those requests to be submitted and for us to review and get back to the customer promptly. All right, that brings me to the end of my presentation. Thank you very much. Happy to answer any questions. Catherine, well, thank just you. before the commissioners have any questions, why don't you give um, just a flavor for the nature of the conversations and the interaction we've had with our customers over the last several months? Yes, um, I would be glad just to. Just a, a detail, okay? Thank you. Yes. So I would say over the past four months in particular, I've had many dozens of meetings with our customers. Uh, these range from municipal departments, so port, DPW, Mayor's Office of Housing and Community De Development in particular, um, the Office of Community Investment. I also have had many uh, meetings and consultations with representatives of the private sector who are partnering with the city to build housing, particularly affordable housing, and in particular, um, a number of conversations with um, developers representing the work on Treasure Island and Yerba Buena Island and out at Mission Rock. These were extremely helpful conversations um, for partnering and implementation in general. And as a result of these conversations, uh, we got some great feedback around where we can be more clear or more direct or add some additional details that um, helped our customers feel confident that we are understanding each other. So um, 
that was a good opportunity to have those conversations, and certainly the, the rules uh, have benefited from them. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Spaulding. Um, and I can tell, even if I didn't know this ahead of time, that um, you must be the lead on on revising and, and and solidifying all this stuff. And so it's you know it's incredibly in the weeds, and the details are, are tremendous. I did read through a lot of the documents, and I would be lying if I said I read every single one of the appendices that were in there. Although if I had read them, I think my job resume would be uh, you know at a pretty high level, and I, I would be employable at something different than what I do right now. But anyway, so I I, I want to say. You know, thanks for that stuff because this is so important. I think you mentioned, you know, Treasure Island, the east side of town. You know, so much, you know, housing and development is in the books right now. And if there's anything that we need, we need absolute clarity of when people finally get through the development process, what the heck they have to do with the specific of the natural resources that, you know, we are responsible for. So thank you um, for that report um, that gets so far into the weeds. Uh, Commissioner... Uh, I saw Commissioner Maxwell, but uh, Commissioner Stacy is on my, officially on my list next. Thank you for the presentation and the, inf and the information. I think you've mostly answered my question with all of the input from stakeholders yeah. and the um, sort of feedback that they've given you over the years um, on this program. In the drafting process, were you sharing drafts with the stakeholders, or was it really just a, a constant feedback loop where you would um, take their suggestions and work them into the rules? No, uh, we, the draft was shared with our customers and members of the developer community, and uh, we, there were successive rounds of red lines coming back. So oh, it was, um, they had an opportunity to really dive into all of the details. Thank it's you for your It's a long and detailed process. Um, and then on your slide five, the one entitled accountability. Mm -hmm. Now I've just lost my screen. Um, I think you say that the existing rules in effect at the time of application, does that mean that if a customer came in under the old rules that those rules would continue to apply to that customer it may not matter since you said there's not really much of substance that's changed well, but yeah it, it 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 does matter this was a, a concern from our customers as well so it's good opportunity to to again clarify that if a customer already has their application for electric service in our queue then any rules or guidelines that were in place at that time will be honored um, but in addition, is just um, an additional measure to make sure that these rules are well socialized. That is why we have proposed these rules to go into effect two months from now, just in case uh, someone might be preparing their uh, application for electric service right now, just so that they're fully cognizant of, of what's coming down the pike. Thank you. Great. Commissioner Maxwell? Thank you. And Thank you for your presentation. Um, are these practices and changes, um, are they standard practices of the industry itself? And did you all uh, look into those uh, changes looking uh, in relationship to what other municipalities do? Yes, thank you for that question. Certainly um, electric utility best practice, uh, particularly for publicly owned utilities, is um, something that we um, you know, across the board, these rules were informed by many, many subject matter experts within power, all who have 
specialty knowledge in their areas, and they um, have contributed to what um, these rules um, say. So absolutely, this is a touch point for us throughout our work is um, learning from others and utilizing best practice whenever possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, commissioners. Any other questions of Ms. Spalding? Okay, so we should open this up to public comment, please. Are there any members of the public group who want to provide comment on item nine? I see none. Okay, so um, is there a motion and second to approve um, item nine? Move to adopt the rules and regulations. I'll second. Is a motion and a second? Can we have a roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. No, five ayes. Okay, thank you. Motion pass. Um, item 10, can you read item 10, please? Uh, item 10. Secretary. Approve, pro pro approve proposed ordinance amendment extending the authorization of the general manager to continue to enter into agreements to obtain up to $150 million of credit support for an additional 10 years for the Clean, Clean Power SF program and authorize a general manager to seek advancement of the proposed ordinance, ordinance amendment for consideration by the Board of Supervisors. Good afternoon, uh, President Paulson, Vice President Rivera, Commissioners. Pleased to be back in front of you uh, this afternoon. Hopefully this will be a, a short item for you. Uh, we, we tend to bring you complicated items, and this one hopefully will be a very simple item. In fact, we've had on our agenda uh, our capital financing plan for the past two years to amend um, the uh, financing facility for Clean Power SF. We've been awaiting guidance from the CPUC in order to do that, and we're continuing to await that information. So if I may have the slides, please. So as a result, this will be, with your indulgence, a two-visit uh, trip to the commission, with today's item being a very simple item. As uh, some of you know better than uh, most, the, the work of the uh, Board of Supervisors can take quite a, a long time. So what we are doing today is bringing uh, forward to you the form of agreement um, to uh, seek your uh, permission to have uh, the general manager bring that to the Board of Supervisors in order for that process to get underway. Because what we are facing is the, the expiration of our credit facility in March, even as we continue to await the guidance from the CPUC. Um, so a very simple item today. We'll have a more robust presentation uh, with the actual credit facility in January. Uh, but as a, a brief background, in uh, 2018, uh, the commission, uh, again, put forward a, an ordinance uh, to bring to the Board of Supervisors, uh, granting the general manager uh, authority to enter into up to 150 million of credit facilities. In fact, uh, we've used 
at various times $75 million. Uh, we reduced that amount to $20 million due to the costs. And the reason for having this credit uh, facility is to provide liquidity to Clean Power SF. There are several ways that it's used. Uh, one of the important uh, reasons for having a credit facility is that we need to enter into letters of credit to backstop certain power purchase agreements, um, and we have used this facility for that purpose in the past. We've never actually drawn on the credit facility. We haven't uh, borrowed funds from the credit facility. It is simply this uh, liquidity uh, tool. And then the other important uh, need is this CPUC uh, requirement. Uh, the financial security requirement uh, essentially provides a resource in the event that something should happen to any CCA, including our CCA, and all those customers need to be returned to the uh, provider of last uh, resort. Um, that amount uh, currently is rather nominal. Uh, however, the, the CPUC has entered into a process to revisit the basis for that formula. Uh, a proposed decision was expected in October. It has not been received uh, to date. And in the meantime, we face the expiration of our facility. So we have already been uh, working with credit uh, facility provider. That documentation will be brought to you in January. But this uh, document is simply an amendment of the ordinance passed in 2018, which now extends it for another 10 years or proposes to extend it for another 10 years with Board of Supervisors approval in order to grant the general manager that authority to enter into these credit facilities. And it's simply a, a flexible way of um, providing us that ability. It's not committing us to $150 million. We don't intend to seek $150 million at this point. But as we did in 2018, we're providing a, a window of authority for the general manager um, because as these needs change, as we enter into different power purchase agreements, as we enter into uh, commitments with the CPUC under the CPUC's authority, uh, we may need to move more quickly than the lengthy uh, Board of Supervisors uh, process. So with, um, uh, without further ado, if you have any questions, happy to answer questions, but we're simply um, hoping to begin that process with the Board of Supervisors here. A simple amendment, but a very powerful um, piece that, that is part of what we're doing. Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned uh, the, the provider of last resort. Um, in, in some case, would that be PG&E? Yes. Okay, so they would go back to PG&E if they could. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So if, if, if uh, it's hard for us to imagine it, but <laughs> if something should happen to cause um, our, our CCA to fail, and, and this, is, this is perhaps less applicable to 
us than it is to others. But we have actually had one CCA that declared bankruptcy in Southern California, and that's what's prompted this revisiting of the formula. Well, now, if we didn't have a PG&E and something happened, who would we go back to? What would be the provider of last resort? If we were the public entity, if we were everything, and we get rid of PG&E, then what, how would that work? Uh, you're, you're now entering uh, uh, power expertise and not my financial oh. expertise. <laughs> okay, I'm, sorry. I don't know, Barbara, if you might have an answer for that. Barbara Hale, Assistant General Manager for Power. Um, so the construct that, that um, is being described to you is the, is the PUC, San Francisco, sorry, California PUC regulated entities, right? If we are our own public power provider throughout San Francisco, we are the provider of last resort in that scenario. And these kinds of regulations that Mr. Sklaroff is describing to you do not apply in that scenario. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Jami. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So um, maybe a comment and a question. Um, I know this is this is only a credit line for us to use when we need. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, and maybe I missed it and it's in there, if there is a provision that we can add or we can make sure you come back to us every time we draw from this um, a significant amount to make sure we are up to date, we know what's going on. Just having that dialogue going to make sure everything is, um, you know, the commission is... You mean from an information perspective? Yes. It's not a problem. Because I think it's important... Not just for us. I mean, who knows who is going to be here another four years? But I think it's an important, valuable knowledge for the future commission also to know, like, who's taking what from who. And one, yeah, go ahead. If please. I may just uh, clarify, um, while this authority um, grants this, this uh, while this action from the board of supervisors grants this authority, still. Every agreement and every amendment to those agreements would still come, to come back to yes. the commission. Okay. Right. Just actually, that's what uh, that was my yes. question after. Yes. I, Thank I you for clarifying. For no, 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 clear. no. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And and one quick thing I would say to Commissioner Maxwell's question: um, uh, You know, the publicly owned utilities are not regulated by California Public Utilities Commission, but because we have this mixed situation here. That's why we fall under them. So they don't have any oversight over. That's why the <clears throat> our water part is not regulated by them. So, Commissioner Stacy. Uh, thank you. I thank you for the presentation. I just want to make sure that I am clear about what we're asking for here. The outside limit of $150 million remains the same. We're just extending the period of time that the general manager is authorized to enter into another agreement or several agreements to 2034, so 10 years. But it could be, and, and the staff report talks about the one agreement that we have in place, but it could be more than one agreement for smaller amounts as long as 
the total amount doesn't exceed 150 million. Is that right? Yes, it, 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 it could be that agreement, could be uh, other agreements. Okay, thank you. Okay, any other questions um, regarding this, this move that we are uh, being asked to make? Any other questions? Okay, seeing none, um, I guess we bring this to public comment, please. Do members of the public present provide comment on item number 10? I see none. Seeing none, is there a motion and second to approve item 10? So moved. Second. Is there, there a, can we ask for a roll call, please, after a motion and second? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. Five ayes. Okay, item 11 is communications, um, which have been posted. Um, just acknowledging those, no discussions. Um, and the next item. Uh, yes. Oh, a question, a question about the, um, the items. Thank you. Yes, uh, Commissioner Stacy. sorry. Um, Mr. Ritchie on the water supply agreement update. I just had a quick question, and I think I know the answer. At our last meeting, Ms. Sankula made a presentation on behalf of Bosca, and was one of the things she asked for was an update on the Alameda Creek recapture project. And I assume in your regular meetings with Bosca, you, you keep them up to date as much as we can on that project as well as other um, WSIP water supply projects and WSIP, I guess. Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Um, yeah, we have various meetings. In particular, we have one coming up where we will be reviewing the entire proposed capital improvement program uh, coming forward to the Commission. But we also have regular updates on the uh, Water Enterprise Capital Improvement Program and the WISIP uh, program. So uh, those are uh, uh, regular, regular events. Yeah. Um, that particular project is still in a little bit of flux because that's the one where we actually terminated the contract uh, and then there was a discussion earlier today about uh, disposal of the, uh, some of the equipment. Uh, but we're just getting ready to start formulating where that project's going to go. So there's not been a lot of new information to share. There will be more and more over this next year. Great. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions on the notices? Okay. Item 12. Um, are there any items um, that the commissioners would like to uh, discuss? Do we need to have public comment on no. communications? Um, no. Thank you. Item 12, um, items that might be initiated by the commissioner. Any, any items that you would like to have for future discussion to put in the queue? Commissioner Stacy. Ah. Thank you. I was pleased to see an article in the San Francisco Chronicle about recycled water featuring a photograph of PUC's own Paula Kehoe and Manisha Kothari. And it looks like the water board is going to be reviewing regulations for potable using recycled water for potable uses, which is really good news. And I, I also was interested to see that, and I haven't done a lot of my own research, but uh, someone on the water board said that recycled water was less expensive than desal. And I, I really just want to really focus on 
um, continuing our efforts as part of both the wastewater program and the alternative water supply to really look carefully at recycled water and using it more and more as a as a sort of a plus in many ways. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner. Noted. Any other items um, commissioners would like to have for future discussion? Seeing none. Um, that being said, do we need to go to public comment based on the comments of Commissioner Stacy? Let's open it up to public comment. Do we have any on that particular item? Public comment for item 12. See none. Okay. So that being said, um, could you read that? ends the regular commission uh, agenda. So, uh, Madam Secretary, could you read the matters that will be read during closed, that will be heard during closed session? Yes. Uh, um, call for public comment on items to be heard during closed session. Item 15, conference with legal counsel. Lynette Chung versus City and County of San Francisco proposed settlement of unlitigated claim resulting from a water main rupture with the City and County of San Francisco to pay Lynette Chun, $42 million, I'm sorry, $42,115.44 in exchange for a full and final release subject to a final approval by the Board of Supervisors. Item 16, Public Employee Performance Evaluation, Dennis J. Herrera, General Manager. Item 17, Conference with Labor Negotiator, Designated Representative, Commissioner Sophie Maxwell, Unrepresented Employee General Manager, Anticipated Issues Under Negotiation, Compensation. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on closed session items 15, 16, and 17? I see none. Then we are adjourned. No, and we, we need to, uh, item 14. Yeah, make a motion. Oh, yes. So we should, is there a motion on whether or not to assert uh, attorney client privilege? Yeah, move motion to. Motion to, go ahead. Okay. Move to assert attorney client privilege. I'll second. There's a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Okay. Please, please stand by while we go into closed session. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV. San Francisco Government Television.
open session. Um, the, I want to let you know that the commission is recommending um, that the board approve the settlement for the referenced uh, item number 15, and there was no other action taken during the closed session. And now I need a motion as to whether or not to disclose discussions uh, pursuant um, during the <clears throat> closed session. Move to not, not to disclose. Is there a second? Second. Okay, roll call, please. President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jummy? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes? We shall now, thank you, we shall now adjourn. There will be no further business. Thank you, thank everyone. You. Um.